Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Good morning again. Today we are beginning my favorite series that recurs every single year, Book of the Movies. And the goal behind this series is to try to help encourage and inspire you whenever you go see a movie or television show or commercial, whatever, to look for those elements and aspects of hope and how the gospel shines and I generally try to do this in July every year because it just seems to fit pretty well in July and September, but uh, that's a year ago. But today we're beginning our Hope at the Movies series by looking at this movie, Hacksaw Ridge. Who's seen Hacksaw Ridge? 2016. Now, one of the things I've been saying this a second ago, one of the things I'm doing this year with my Hope at the Movies series is taking some movies that are several years old that have kind of sunk below the conscious level of. Uh, of our society. And so we're looking at Hacksaw Ridge this week. Uh, next week's going to be Stranger Than Fiction, which is a Will Ferrell movie that's one of his first major uh, dramatic roles. Uh, it's a fantastic movie, but that's uh, the story next week. Uh, and so this would be an appropriate time if you happen to have your Plus app handy or you want to use the hard copy of all of those, pull those out if you so choose uh, so that you can follow along and stay up to date with the content that we have. Now, I've shared this before, I try to mention it on Memorial Day and uh, right on this day of the weekend, is that I was brought up to be a very patriotic person. Both of my grandfathers fought in World War II. Uh, one was in the Navy, one was in the Army. My uh, maternal grandfather's uh, brother-in-law was in the Army as well in World War II. They actually uh, fought in the Battle of the Bulge. And so it was impossible for us to get together during family gatherings and not hear and experience some of the things about uh, the battles and the things that helped shape and make America uh, what it is. My dad was an attorney and later was a judge. It was, a, it was an appointed position. He wasn't elected, it was an appointed position. And one of my favorite memories of my dad in spent a couple years uh, was he was my scout leader. And uh, that always meant a lot to me. And if you know things about scouts, Hodgson was still patriotism and uh, Good, godly morals and values and virtues uh, and things that it seems like our culture is lacking in these days and things that we can use a whole lot more of. Uh, but one of the things that I try to, to do every year around this time is to go back and do some more personal study and reflection about how it is that our country came to be. And we can't look at this Independence Day weekend without acknowledging what it stands for, right? It is the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And we have an image of that. It's just a, a kind of a, a wallpaper type image of that. But uh, you'll see there, if you could read it on the screen, it says the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. And it was signed on July 4th, 1776. It was actually adopted on July 2nd, if I'm not mistaken, but it wasn't signed until uh, July 4th. And so the the opening lines of this, which I know I had to do 
present as well. Uh, are these words here? We're going to look at them on the screen. You have it in your notes. It says the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Before Jefferson wrote those words, he also referenced. The laws of nature endangers God. And that's how it moved into this idea about we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What Jefferson was doing was tying a direct line from the laws of nature, nature's God, to the way that we are created. Now, it is impossible to look at these words without understanding and commenting and acknowledging that there was hypocrisy in their lives. We're going to talk more about this as we go through the message today. Because not everyone in the 13 colonies to declare themselves states were actually being treated equally. That wasn't just out of rank hypocrisy, although there was some of that. But it was based on the way that King George was governing and mandating that the colonies be governed. And in fact, it is well known that one of the grievances that the colonies had against the king was the king was prohibiting the option of slavery. Slavery, even though Jefferson himself was a slaveholder. And the dynamic that we sense and that we feel is that as Jefferson was bringing the Declaration of Independence together to that convention, to that group of signers who eventually signed it, was that he wanted to make the eradication of slavery part of the Declaration of Independence. But the only way to get to that point of the, unite, the unanimous declaration was that there were two colonies that were holding out. You know what they were? You're sitting in one of them, Georgia, and our neighbor to the northeast, South Carolina. Georgia and South Carolina were holdouts, saying that we will not sign this declaration of independence if it means the elimination of slavery. The other 11 colonies were totally in favor and totally behind it. And so the signers of the Declaration of Independence came back and said, it is better for us to be united and to set the stage in motion that Lincoln would finally come back and he would use these same basic words to justify his actions in this movement. But they decided it was better to be united and to stand against Britain than it would be to be divided. Because South Carolina and Georgia the leadership would say they would side with the British against the other 11 colonies. And so the other 11 said, we will compromise here in order to get the unanimous declaration of independence. Now, the history is what it is, right? We can't go back and look at that, but we can also see how it was indeed evident that the power of these words, unalienable rights, among them life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, began to set in motion Things that were rooted in biblical truth, that if we look at them from the biblical point of view and the biblical worldview, hopefully we'll begin to see how even in our areas where we are showing and exhibiting rank hypocrisy, we can get to the truth of who God is and what God wants in our lives, in the lives of our church, in our community, in our country, and we can get back to those roots where we see indeed these words being lived out. The Declaration of Independence in our everyday lives that we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and they are endowed by their Creator 
the laws of nature that gives God will let certain, certain equal rights that among those wide liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Friends, it's that idea of the laws of nature, nature's God, and the inevitable rights that I feel are part of the root of some of the challenges that we feel as our social fabric is appearing to threat. Is that we can't even agree on what the standards are. We don't even agree that some of our history is worth acknowledging, let alone fighting for them. And so we have to come back to these points, ritualistically even, as the 4th of July should be, to help us remember that we do follow the laws of nature and nature's God. And that we must acknowledge that all men and women and children are created equally and endowed by their creator with inalienable rights. But among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So I want to break these three down and help us to fuel and find the biblical underpinnings so that as we celebrate our Independence Day this year, it isn't just another day with hot dogs and hamburgers and steaks and ribs, that's pretty much our menu, uh, and fireworks, but it is a day where we come face to face and wrestle and grapple with the reality that we face that we are created by God. So let's look at the first of these three ideas. Life. Life. I love John chapter 10 and 10. It is one of my core life verses. It reads, and this is Jesus speaking, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who do you think Jesus is referring to as a thief? The devil, that's right. Not the devil days. Right? We'll have to clear out our room later. But anyway, um, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus then follows it up by saying, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is automatically here laying out this juxtaposition between the role of the devil, which is seeking to steal and to kill and to destroy, and the role of the Son of Man and the Son of God, who comes that we may have life and have it abundantly. So let's look at the definition of life. Okay, let's look at the definition of life. And folks, I'll tell you, I was riding up and down the road today when I heard uh, someone on the radio talking about this definition of life. This comes directly out of the dictionary, and pay attention to what it is. It says, life is the condition that distinguishes from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. Read that again. It is the condition that distinguishes from inorganic matter, including the capacity for growth, reproduction, functional activity, and continual change preceding death. It strikes me that if scientists were to find some bacteria on Mars from the Mars rover, they would say, we define that life. But we can't even agree on what life is here in our country. Where does it begin? This definition of life talks about potential and capacity. And if we are created by God with these rights of life and liberty and this pursuit of happiness, we have to acknowledge, first and foremost, what life is and how God has created all of us to live a life of purpose and of meaning. That's God's choice. That's the definition of life that comes to capacity and potential. And every single person in this room and experiencing this message live on the live stream or later, either on YouTube or in our podcast, 
Every single one of us, even still at this moment in our time, has capacity for great and good, meaningful, life-giving, life-bringing things. We have potential because of the fact that Christ came, that you may have life and have it in abundance. This acknowledges the reality that we come, we confront, even with the founders as they were signing the Declaration of Independence, is that we don't always live in our potential. We don't always live in our capacity. But so does that mean that we should be thrown away into the dust of the street? No, it says we should strive to live into that purpose, to live into that capacity for good, for life, for love, for purpose. Recognizing that it is the devil that comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life. And that life offers and offers within us capacity and purpose. We must know and acknowledge what life is. And with all of the confounding and confusing news reports about stuff that's happened in the Supreme Court, I think we've got to come back to this just black and white definition of what life is and the fact that Jesus came to give us all. In life and abundance. But here's the thing that comes back to how Jesus and their enemy are juxtaposed with each other. You'll see on the next slide. If the enemy cannot kill, it aims to discourage and sow the seeds of doubt, even in our own convictions. You see, in Christ, the devil has no power. He's going to continue to try to deceive you into thinking he does, but it's just a deception. He has no power over you. As the scripture tells us, we resist the devil. We watch him flee when we call out in the name of Jesus. And when he flees, he scampers off like the nasty little cockroach that he is. When you turn on the light, he's going to scurry and scatter behind the furniture. It's nauseating, isn't it? One of Tiffany's greatest nightmares is the way it's turned on the light and seeing the roaches scatter. Oh, you gotta hear some uh, 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 I found a button to push, guys. Anyway, cockroaches. But since the enemy doesn't have the power over us in the name of Jesus, that doesn't mean that it's continue to try to see us in the thing that he does. And so one of the areas where Satan comes from is to try to undermine your own convictions, to try to undermine that which you know and that which you are true. I have experienced this in spades over the last several years. And I'm sure you probably have too. I can remain in conversation with my father about politics, and we don't always see things from the same point of view. But I remember one time we were having this uh, conversation, and it was almost as though we were both experiencing two completely different realities. And that's where Satan comes in and tries to convince you even of your own convictions, to sow just a little bit of doubt. And remember, as I like to point out, as much and as frequently as I can, that gets back to the root of Satan's very first temptation and victory in sin with Eve, is he asked that question, did God really say? All Satan can do is to try to sow those seeds of doubt and undermine your convictions. So we need moments like this, ritualistically as it were, to come back and say, I believe that God has given us life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I believe this to be true, and I see things as 
to undermine it. I know that there's struggle and there's stress and there's strain there, but I'm going to come back to my convictions and be rooted in those for the sake of Christ Jesus. So we talk about life, the capacity, the potential, even when we're falling short, and the devil's trying to undermine us, even in our own convictions, we come back to this idea that it is Jesus who came to give us life and give us life in abundance. So this brings us to the idea of liberty. What do we do with it? What do we do with life in abundance? God wants to call us to a life of liberty. Now here is something that when we consider worldview might be challenging for some. I get it. But what Jefferson wrote and what I am convicted is true talks about the origin of our rights. And Jefferson capitalized rights in the Declaration of Independence. That our rights come from God, not the government. This is the creator who endows us with certain unalienable rights. So where do our rights come from? They come from God, not the government. And where this can be really perplexing is when we look at things like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, is that we see that we are given these rights, but when it comes to the role of the government, the government is actually given negative rights. That's the next slide. The Constitution and Bill of Rights outlines negative liberties. Now, does that sound confusing at all to anybody? It did to me some years ago when I really started studying this from a theological point of view, not just a historical point of view, is that the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, outlines negative liberties. In other words, the rights that are outlined in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are the things that the government cannot do to you. The things that the government cannot do to you. It is to protect the people against government's natural tendency to try to consolidate and to control our rights. It blows me away that the Coach Kennedy case about praying on the football field had to make it to the Supreme Court. It blows me away. It blows me away. But that First Amendment, talking about freedom of assembly and freedom of speech and the freedom of exercise and the free expression thereof, protects our right. Protects our right for freedom of religion, for freedom of prayer. Our documents, origin documents for the country, are about restricting the government against the things that it can't do to us. But here's the reason that it becomes the sticky wicked, so to speak, that it is. And that's because we, as human beings, when we allow those sulfuric nothings to be whispered in our ears, to undermine our convictions, can get the idea of liberty and libertinism confused. Our next slide. Liberty versus libertinism. Libertinism seeks to impress immorality, ultimately to infringe, infringe on the liberty of others. I can remember being a little kid and running around the yard playing with our friends, uh, and they were some of the really bad influences. But I can remember you know, hearing and saying, well, it's a free country, do whatever you want to. And sometimes we take that position to be extreme. We take that position when the founders were talking about liberty, they were talking about liberty that was bound and constrained within the hearts and the minds of moral people. 
our government is created for immoral people. Franklin Adams talked about that specifically and what would happen if the moral mooring was removed from the people. We would shift from seeing liberty and start seeking libertinism. Libertinism says, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, wherever I want, however I want, and you can't bring it. And it moves from the potential and the capacity for good, which is liberty, into this self-fulfilling, self-actualizing, self-indulgent mindset. Libertinism is all about what I can get from me. Me, myself, and I. Liberty is about how can I live freely and constructively for others. Liberty requires a moral grounding and a moral framework that says, I'm not going to seek to impress my liberty and the sake of anybody else's. And so this idea of libertinism gets into that and it becomes this immoral exercise that says, I'm not going to allow anything to keep me and hold me back from living where I want to do. One of the greatest ways to look at this is the things that can addict us. I don't care what it is, right? All kinds of things can cause us to be addicted. Food, alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, those kinds of things can cause us to be addicted. When we think about the freedom to do these things, you know, within the parameters of law, right? And we're not giving freedom for anybody to go, you know, whatever. But we are free to do these things, but we're not free from the consequences of our choices, are we? We're not free from the action. And so we might dabble into something that can cause us to be addicted. Eventually, that addiction grabs hold of us and we cannot find freedom from it. It becomes our master, it becomes our theology. And so the idea of liberty is that you may have the freedom to do this, but is it what's best? Is it what's helpful? Is it what's holy? Is it what's wise? The Apostle Paul would write about that he said, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are beneficial. And so we have to find that moral mooring that holds us and keeps us in that safe harbor, so to speak, so that we are living a life of positive liberty. Not constrained by outside forces, but constrained by what we know and like how we live. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17 says it this way. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide in your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Boy, isn't that true, right? So the moral worry that we must find is coming to us from God. And the leadership and the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit that activates our lives of liberty. We are free, but we are looking at liberty now to do good, freedom to do the right thing, freedom to be able to say no to the stuff that would undo us, the stuff that would undo our witness and the stuff that causes harm and damage. We now have the freedom, regardless of consequence, to reach out and do what is right and what is good and what is noble and what is honorable and what is true. These are the scriptures and evidence that we read throughout the New Testament. Paul's letters in particular about how we are our lives or the things that are right. And so this gets us to this idea of pursuing happiness, the pursuit of happiness, which is the third. The pursuit of happiness. You might be aware, I know I talked about this last year, but you might be aware that the very first draft of the Declaration of Independence didn't have the pursuit of happiness. You know what it said? 
pursuit of property. The very first draft of the Declaration of Independence said the pursuit of property. Now we know even in our day and age, property is nine cents of law, right? Just things like that is why we used to say all the time, property is nine cents of the law. The reason they got edited out, and this was one of those things that really moved Thomas Jefferson, was that he feared and he felt and he believed, specifically the pushback he was getting from Georgia and South Carolina, where I talked about, that the pursuit of property might justify and rationalize the ownership of people, of other human beings. And so he moved and edited out the idea of the pursuit of property into the pursuit of happiness. And to bring this into that moral memorial, which every single one of us needs, we have to recognize that the pursuit of happiness challenges us to realize that joy isn't in getting, but in giving. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. For these are the sacrifices that please God. But we see out of the book of Hebrews, this beautiful letter, is that our pursuit of happiness comes into how we share and how we serve and how we help to make God known in the lives of other people. And this brings us back to how the hallmarks of your followers, right? Acts chapter 20, verse 25. The apostle Paul wrote, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering of the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to Just a guess. So we see the idea of life and how we have this capacity, give us potential, liberty to exercise that, to do the right thing, not the things that are going to restrain us or contain us, but to do the right thing. And we find our strength and our containment and our rules and our desire to serve God by serving others, which leads us into that idea of pursuit of happiness. We are called to live and to give our lives in the same example of Jesus. He says it's better to give than to receive. To live and to give of our lives. For that which is truly right and good. That's how we pursue happiness. But this makes it easy. And this is what brings us into our clip today. From Hacksaw Ridge. As you saw in the trailer, Andrew Garfield plays the character of Private Cox, who was a conscientious objector to the war. But he knew that freedom and liberty was under attack by fascist forces. And he wanted to do something, as you saw in the trailer. To try and help put our broken world back together again. And so he signed up for me. To be a medic, and the controversy he faced was he did not want to carry a weapon. You saw glimpses of it in the trailer where even his own fellow soldiers did not like that because they felt that their safety and their lives were going to be jeopardized. And so they ridiculed him, they locked him down, they beat him up, all kinds of things to try to discourage him and to even question your baptism convictions. See the threads of these. 
but by the cross, who was one of America's greatest heroes. He never fired a bullet. Decided he was going to order his life and his call to serve God by serving others, even in a war footing, to pursue life and liberty and pursue happiness. Even in those areas and those times where it was controversial or provocative or dangerous. And so I want us to watch our clip from the pursuit of happiness today and to get some inspiration to see how it is that Private Boss used his life in the service of the rest of humanity because of his call from God. How he bathed it in prayer and how he put it into action. Let's watch our clip today. Myself have struggled with 
these things because I don't, I don't like to mix church and politics. I remember my grandmother, who was Canadian, talking about family meals when we don't discuss religion or politics. My job requires me to discuss one of those. And hopefully there's some effective So I try to wait out of the the other areas. And I really get anxious about this. And I, I had some folks speak up and ask me why I did not like the thing or say anything about some of the interesting Supreme Court decisions. And uh, just to be completely honest, it's because I, I just don't like to wade into the debate. Right? I'd rather focus on the gospel, I'd rather focus on what I know is true and how God calls us to live with the biblical worldview. That wasn't always the case. There were times, Brandon, I was talking about this the other day, there were times when I would write some stuff and I would have people comment and eventually it turned into, well, why did you talk about this if you didn't talk about that? And why did you say that when so-and-so was president? And then trying to denigrate and undermine even things that I was sharing because of my upbringing, things I can't control. And you know what it's not. I'm going to continue every single day, at least that I can, to share scripture, to share who God is to me, how God is at work in our lives. And I'm going to trust God to do some of this work in us that doesn't require me to have to make a press release like some congressman about every little single thing that happens because the moment that I miss something or the moment that I take a perspective that makes someone I like, it's going to turn into that as opposed to what I struggle, what I strive to do. But kind of like private dolls, the recognition is that there are times when these wars come for us despite our best objections. And so, uh, Amy Stanley, who was the, the founder of the North Point Church and North Point Ministries, had this great line that I've been reflecting and I've been um, moving over my head the last several weeks, really. Uh, and I have this in the screens. We need to quit viewing our religion through our politics and start viewing our politics through our religion. And this is what I'm really struggling and striving to do. And the reason that it's important to me is that there was a period of time Right when I was first ordained and started to serve the church, uh, and I mean, serve the church, that I had conversations with somebody. And one of the mentors looked at me and said, I don't know how anyone can be a conservative or be a Christian. I'm going to have some conservative meetings. I have some conservative thoughts. Does that mean I can't be a Christian? And then, like, a week or two weeks later, guess what happened? Meeting with another mentor, and someone said, Very, very 
committed to the progressive movement. And she came into my office one day because she felt a disconnection with other people in the church because they didn't see things the way they wanted she did. And she sat in my office with her head in her hand on the verge of tears and said, Mark, other people in this church are telling me this world is going to hell in a handbasket, and I finally feel like it's coming together. What's wrong with me? Take a step back. I'm dead with my convictions. The things I've always known and believed to be true. I'm doubting them. I'm worrying. I'm wondering. This can happen when we view our religion through the lens or the filter He asks us to have a biblical mindset, a biblical worldview, and to understand what it means to live in the pursuit of life and liberty and of happiness. And understanding that there is a diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, diversity of even things that we hold to be self-evident, that we're not always going to agree with one another. Does that mean that we can't be Christian if we disagree? No! What it means is that if we disagree, we disagree differently. And we hold and we honor Everyone who has things that they hold to be self-evidently true and respect and love for which Christ died for that individual. And so, my friends, I think we need to hear Private Dawson's prayer, dear Lord, one more. Help me one more and realize that this is our call in the midst of culture wars that we face. Jesus himself issued his mission statement in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, when he said, the Son of Man's mission is to seek and to save the lost. And I've asked that question, will you join him? Will you be like private dogs who, even though there are others in his group that don't agree with his position, or agree with his mindset, or agree with his objections, they found honor and love for him. The way back to the men's beside the glitch was some of those who had held private dogs in the most disdain seen the bodies of the men that he had rescued lined up. And someone asked, who did this? And someone says, this private thoughts. Who can you be private thoughts for today? Who can you step up and step out and help God and serve God and serve others in the pursuit of life and liberty and happiness? And say, I recognize that the enemy is coming to try to steal and to kill and to destroy. And if he can't, he's going to deceive, he's going to discourage, he's going to serve out. But Jesus came to me and we have life and have life in what abundance. And so even in spite of our disagreements, in spite of our backgrounds, maybe focus where we are right here today and put that focus on the cross and recognize that it is Jesus who said his mission is to come and seek and save the lost. He didn't mention political parties. He didn't mention which side of the aisle you may sit to prefer to seek and to save the lost. And so friends, May we confess our tendency to do the opposite and to commit our life to do what Jesus did and to commit our lives to seeking the same lost and joy and his rescue mission for humanity. Are you with me? Let's pray as the man comes back this morning. Almighty God, thank you for today and for what this season that we look at in our American history means. 246 years, I believe. We've gotten so much wrong, and yet we've gotten so much right. And it is unreal at times how we can simultaneously 
be a nation with great and admirable history and despicable hypocritical history as well. And so, Lord, I pray that we always keep that conflict in the balance of our heart and our soul, that we may find our mind and our strength constantly seeking to serve you above all others and to serve others as we can serve you as well. And so, Lord, we may come from different backgrounds, we have different thoughts and different ideas and different perspectives about what is right, what is wrong. And there are times we feel like things are going to hell in a handbasket and they just be coming all together. But Lord, I pray that we may always see you as the one from whom our rights come. And when we see injustice, that we may speak up and stand up for those who are being oppressed. And that when we see your work and your miracles running and surging through our lives and our lives in the world, that we may celebrate that without fear repercussion or concern or consequence or criticism. So help us to be the people who created and call us to be Almighty God. As we offer our lives to you, we seek to be free even from the things that would choose to enslave us, that we may pursue happiness, recognizing that comes not by what we can get, but by what we can give in your name. I ask this in the Holy Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.